to watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Oh, happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. If you're saved today and you've been baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, you cannot be lost. Hallelujah. You are as certain to make it to your eternal destination. Glory. That ought to give you something to rejoice about. It doesn't matter what the pandemic of the world is. doesn't matter what's going to happen. We are His. We can never be lost. That ought to give you a rejoicing. Why don't you turn around, wave to somebody near you, wish them God's blessings. That'll be all the singing we'll do. Thank you, Brother Ray. Thank you for the song this morning, Sister Rachel. That was a blessing. I love it when a sister takes her place and said, I'm going to take back everything. I believe that's wonderful. God bless you. Let's go to the Bible this morning, the book of John, John chapter 7. We'll take the reading from verse 1. John chapter 7, verse 1. Now, last week, we were going to follow in the same thought, speaking on the secret of the tabernacle. But last week, we took from Nehemiah, where at the time of the restoration, they came back and finally the, the, the temple had been restored, the, the, the walls of the city had been restored. They finally came in. They were one mind. They were one accord. They were ready to hear the word. And it happened to be at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now we're going to read in the book of John chapter 7, and we're going to read another parallel scripture. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence, and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see that the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. And if thou do these things, show thyself to the world." Now, this is the disciples. This is carnal man thinking. This is the doing. But what did Jesus do? It's not me that does it. It's my Father that dwells in me. Now, he, he will say, for neither did his brethren believe in them. And this is the answer Jesus said. He said unto them, my time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it, me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not up yet into this feast, for my time is not yet full come. And when he said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. Verse 10. But when his brethren went up, then went he also up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him, 
For some said, he is a good man, others said, nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for the fear of the Jews. So there was something brewing within the hearts of his people. Drop down to verse 37. Now the Feast of Tabernacles was a total of seven days. Now on the last day, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood up and cried and saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, that they that believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Let's just bow in a word of prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the scriptures that have been opened in this day. We're thankful for our hearts that have been opened to receive. Lord, we don't want just our minds. We don't want our intellect to be tickled. But Lord, we want to be able to receive of you. Lord, we want our hearts to be open this morning. Thank you for all the songs that have been sung. Thank you for the baby dedication. Thank you for the gathering this morning, both here in the tabernacle, but also, Lord, in in many places where your people are gathered. I pray, Lord, that you would be our portion. Father, forgive us our shortcomings. Forgive us our sins. And, Lord, may your mercy and grace be upon us. Look upon us, Lord, with mercy and favor this morning. For, Father, we are helpless without you. We need you this morning. Bless our gathering. Bless the words that are to be spoken. May you minister to our hearts and prepare us in this hour that we live in. Grant it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I'll invite you also to turn back to the Psalm book of Psalms. We read this last week. We'll read it again. I want to just take from the book of John, and then from the Psalms. I'm going to take two more scriptures here. But David would speak in the Psalms in verses 1 to 3 about um, a a trouble that was encamped around him. In verse 4, then he says this word. Verse 4, he says, One thing have I desired of the Lord. Now listen, one thing have I desired of the Lord, That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle he shall hide me, he shall set me upon a rock, and now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me, therefore will I offer In his tabernacle, sacrifices of joy, I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. I'll also read here in the book of the Song of Solomon, chapter 7. Song of Solomon, chapter 7. I'm going to read from verse 1, or from verse 10, rather. I'm sorry, verse 10. I am my beloved's, and his desire is is towards me. Come, my beloved, let us go forth into the field. 
Let us lodge in the villages. Let us get up early to the vineyards. Let us see if the vine flourish, whether the tender grape appear and the pomegranates bud forth. There will I give thee, my loves. The mandrakes give a smell, and at our gates are all manner of pleasant fruits, new and old, which I have laid up for thee, O my beloved. Now we know the Feast of Tabernacles was a feast of the ingathering of the fruits. And Song of Solomon speaks of that here. I'm going to keep ministering on this. This will, like, will not finish today, but I'm just going to take it as the Lord opens it up. So we're going to carry on with last week, the secret of the tabernacle. And I want to entitle this, The Desire of Your Room. The Desire of Your Room. If you can put the PowerPoint on this morning, I'll just rehearse a little bit of this from last week, and then I'm going to just take it a little bit further if I can. Okay. So, how many are happy to be here this morning? Amen. The sun is shining. We ought to be happy. So, just in a quick rehearsal, the feasts that were there were a yearly observance of seven different feasts over the year. But there was three gatherings. And while they were yearly and they were done as a memorial, they were special times for Israel with the Lord. But there was a greater part of this. So the three times they would gather together was a grouping of feasts. But the Feast of Passover was also the Feast of Pentecost and also a Feast of Tabernacles Three main gatherings to observe seven feasts that were there throughout the year. The first, that's not very clear, and I apologize, was in the month of, of uh, the first month. So it was the Passover was the, followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Day of First Fruits. Those all occurred at the first gathering. Then there was a period of time, seven Sabbaths where it was the Feast of Pentecost. Then there was another period of time where it was a number of months, and Brother Branham would refer to that. And he says, Then would come the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Booths. If we would have to have a timeline to how these things would go, we could take that through the calendar year, but we could also take that over the span of time. We could say that, the feast of the Passover was when Jesus was on earth. He was the Passover lamb. He was the one that was there, and he was a type of the lamb that was there in the journey, the first exodus, but he was the real Passover. And then it would be followed by the feast of unleavened bread, which was going to be a feast of seven days representing seven church ages. So those seven church ages would, would, would we be there, the day of first fruits? But it wasn't long after Jesus had died and passed on that it was coming 50 days to the day of Pentecost when they were all gathered in an upper room. And now it was not just a type anymore, but it was a fulfilling of what God had always typed. It was now manifesting itself. So now it wasn't just an observance, but it was now a fulfilling thereof. 
And then last of all, it would come to this. So we can say that's happened, that's happened. But we're now coming to the end where there will be a feast of trumpets. And the trumpets was a blowing of trumpets to gather Israel. And we can say Israel has been gathered. They are coming together for what? The next feast, which is the Feast of Atonement, which the atonement is a recognition of the sacrifice that was killed. Now, it's not a re-killing of the sacrifice, but it's a recognition of it. Christ died once for Jew, for Gentile, for everyone. He won't have to die again. By one sacrifice he has died. By one offering he has perfected forever. Now all we're doing is we're remembering him. And, and we're not just remembering him in a historical terms, but we're, we're living out this part. So this is a coming together for the Jews, but it's also a coming together of the end of the Gentile dispensation, where now it's not just coming from seven ages, but it's moving into an eighth, an eternal realm. The three exoduses that were there, the first exodus, it led a natural people out of a natural land. The second exodus led a spiritual people out of a natural people. The last exodus leads a spiritual people, a bride, out of denomination into, unto her lover, to God. And Brother Bannon would make this statement in the third exodus. This one leads us all the way into the millennium. So, and and we'll, we'll just come to that. So, Brother Bannon, we, we read this. I'm not going to spend much time. All Jew, seven Jewish feasts were in the same place. Each church age produced a part of the word. The seven feasts were in one place. Christ was speaking in all seven church ages. Now, we, I'll just bring this because I'll just refer back to it in a moment. But this was, as the Jews would call the, the Jewish word Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was the building of a booth. It was the building of a, uh, a structure, taking branches, taking them and building it on the roof of a house or building it in their property or their yard. It was signifying a temporal dwelling place. But it was also for seven days. And it was a time when, when Israel would leave the cares of life. They would leave the things that would encumber men, the daily going to the market, the daily this, this. And now it was just a time alone. It was a reflection of the time when God had taken Israel out of the land in the first exodus, out of the land of Egypt. He watched over them. He provided for them. He nurtured them. He was their dependency. They looked on him, and they weren't caught up with everything around him. This is what we're being called to. So it would be a time when they would gather together. It was a time when they would feast on the fruits of the land, and, and they would gather them in. And Solomon speaks of this here. But it was maybe in a simple or realistic words, this is what they would do. They would build this little place, and that's where they would go to. Now, you could look through this, and maybe you could see but it would give you a little window. That's God, the one who was, 
who, who took care of us, who was with us in the journey. And, and that was the pillar of fire that hung over us. That was the cloud by day. And, and it was a design that they would remember him and thank him and appreciate him. And, and we want to thank him. That's why we sang, oh, happy day. What a happy day when he saved me. Let's never lose sight of that. The Christian walk is not a walk of drudgery. It's a time of joy. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. That's the time that we've been called to. This is the ending of it all. So it would be that little booth, that little room that they would go into. Now, I want to read a few quotes here, and I'm just going to take some of these. They come out of the message, Future Home. Brother Bannum would, and some of them are at other messages. He said, the 50 days from the Pentecostal feast has passed over seven Sabbaths until, um, until the trumpets, a type of the seventh church age. He actually goes back and questions and answers, and he clarifies this in a better way. I didn't put that up. He says, now, I, I want to say is now, he's talking, it's coming down to the seventh church age. And he says, now, it's not to the Pentecostals, it's the church world rejects Christ and puts them on the outside. The same seal when it was opened showed Jesus on the outside and trying to get back in. At the same time, the trumpet sounds for the Jews. The Jews recognize the atonement. Glory, hallelujah, oh my. He says, now, notice here Leviticus 23, 26. After the long period of Pentecost, which arisen, so that was not the first gap, but the second gap, seven Months is actually what it was. After the long period of Pentecost, which Israel did reject, he called the Gentile church out through the Pentecostal feast. And he says, it was the first fruit of the harvest of the resurrection, the Pentecostal feast. And he says, now listen close. The Jews laid silent. They rejected it. And he says, after this long period, which ends in the calling out of the bride, the bride is called out by a servant. The rejected, next to be known to Israel, the Feast of Atonement. The atonement was killed, and, and I, I, I don't want to spend time on this, but it's not a, a re-killing. It's just uh, to recognize their Messiah is being made known to them. Now, that will really not happen until the Gentiles are out of the way. You might have Jews that, that become Messianic Jews and convert, but it's going to take two prophets because... As the seventh seal was to the bride, so is the seventh trumpet to the Jews. They'll receive the same message we're receiving. They'll listen to those two prophets of Revelations 11. I believe Revelations 10 is the seventh seal. Revelations 11 is the seventh trumpet, if you take it by the Bible. Now, I want to take this. This is from Future Home. Now, let's take this last feast he said, which is the Feast of Tabernacles? Seven days shall you offer offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day, which is a holy convocation, there's another time coming, you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Now the offering you're going to offer is not, I'm just going to blank this off for a moment. The offering you're going to offer is not your natural flesh. If you go to the first feast, there was a feast, and it was the, the mixing of leaven with it uh, coming together, showing humanity was coming together. But this feast was not in that way. It was going to be a feast of that which was made by fire.
So it's the fire that burns out our desires. It's the fire that burns out the old man. It's the Holy Ghost that gives you a new heart. It's the Holy Ghost that gives you new desires, that gives you an acceptable offering to the Lord. We don't come to church because we're forced to. We come because we want to. We come because there's something in our hearts for the bridegroom. There's something in our hearts. I gotta get to church. That's the place I gotta be in. I want to be in that place. Brother Bannon would speak, and we all know this quote very, very, very well, but he would say this. And I don't know if you can remember where I put it. Here we are. Christ the mystery. All hell is against this truth, the revelation of this mystery. But the bride is standing on her. That's her stand. And then he drops into this, and you'll know this, and don't let it be rhetoric. Why do you hunger, church? Why do you thirst? It's the Father trying to reveal this hidden secret to you. So now he's talking about something that you don't control. It controls you. It's a thirst. It's a hunger. It's not something you can work up. It's not something you can, you can, you can make. He says, but we let so many things get this out of us. We let, you let your job. You let your wife. You let your husband. You let your children. You let the cares of the world. Or you let some pastor. Therefore, it's not just coming to a church where there's a pastor, but it's part of it. You need your wife, you need your husband, you need your children, you need your job, you need all those things, but your heart's not set on that. That's not an idol to you. The main thing is my walk with God. The main thing is my relationship with Him. He says, you know way down in your heart you're thirsting. You're hungry. It's God trying to reveal it to you. Oh, I'm so thankful. God put something in the bride. She was predestinated. This eve will not fall. Now, I need to bring this to your address, to your place, to my address. There's something in me I could not be satisfied I came out, I was raised in a, in a message home, but when I came out, I, 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 I still remember, I went to a Pentecostal church where they had the singing Christmas tree. And from a guy who lived in the world, I thought, wow, this is really nice. But you know what? That was just, along the journey, it was different from where I was at, but that's not what I was hungering for. In fact, I kind of look back and say, man, what was I thinking? You know, and, okay, some of you don't remember the church. It was downtown, and the tree, and everybody gathered together, and, and okay. Okay, Merry Christmas to all of you. Just That's fine. Okay, thank you. You're also in that last classification of people, right? The 75 to 100. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. <laughs> so Brother Adam would say, it's God trying to reveal it to you. So God put something in us that, that we were made to hunger and to thirst for fulfillment. 
Now that's in both a long-term goal, but also in short-term goal. So it's not just a temporal satisfaction. It's not something that way. It's not something to ease you daily, but it's with a long-term. It's not in the time element. It's not in the seven-day, but it's in the eighth-day. There's something in us that's identified, uh, this world is not my home. I'm going home. I'm going soon. I'm not satisfied here. There's a hunger that I have to be with the Lord. It's not just to be correct in doctrine. It's not just to be attending church and recognized. But I want to be with God. That's the ultimate of where I want to go to. That's the place I want to dwell in. Help me this morning, please. So it's a long-term goal. So along the way, he also gives us short-term goals. Because if you're just living for that moment, you'll live as a dry stick. You'll just wait for that moment. And you'll just wait for it. But along the way, you have hungers. You want to stay fresh. You want to stay in tune with him. You're in a place with him before you ever get there. You're in a room with him. Are you listening to me this morning? You're in a place where now you're in the engagement period. You're actually coming into the marriage. The marriage happens here. But you're caught up with him. So you're, you're caught up with him. You're not looking at everything else anymore. You're convinced he's the one. You're convinced there is no other that can satisfy. He's the only one. But along the way, you want to stay in a place with him. So there's times you come to church and you think, I don't just want to sit in a pew. I want to worship God. I need a revival. I need the joy of the Lord in my heart again. So thank God that that hunger's there. If it's there, call on God for He'll satisfy you. He'll take care of you. But it doesn't mean that you live just for that moment. You don't live just for the convention. You need that along the way. But the ultimate, the long-term goal, the hunger that's in you is to be with him, to be in that place. It's not to be in this church. Listen, if it, our ultimate goal was just to be in this church, we would have padded the pews a long time ago. <laughs> It's not to say we won't, okay? Just for those of you who are needing that. That's fine. <laughs> but I'll say this. I'm looking for a place. I'm looking for a land. Amen. So God put something in us. Now, I'm, i got to get back to this here. So he says, On the eighth day shall be a holy convocation. There's a holy time coming. It's a holy convocation to the Lord. You shall offer an offering made by fire. It's a solemn assembly. You'll do no servile work. Now, we got an eighth day. Now, there's only seventh days, but here it speaks of an eighth day. Now, even when Jesus was on earth and when he went up to the Feast of Tabernacles, and he says, out of my belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he would talk about it, but yet he wasn't living in the time of fulfillment of that. We are living in the time of fulfillment. Jesus was symbolizing it. He was going there. But now we're living in the reality. Now there's a people who are after the heart of God. Who are a people who are sold out to him. He's my bridegroom. I'm his bride. I am my beloved's and he is mine. His desire is unto me. It's not just, it's not just him trying to herd me and get me to, to dress right and act right and talk right. But it's greater than that. There's something in us that's longing for him. He put that in us. That's what the Holy Ghost puts in you. Oh, I tell you what, it's joyous when it happens. 
It's joyous to leave behind the things of the world. It's a joy to think, what was I thinking about that? My, my, my. So he goes on to say, now, the eighth day, do no work in it. So now it's talking about it's a holy convocation. Now, it doesn't mean do no work, period, but you rest. In the book of Hebrews, it talks, enter into the rest. Brother Bannon would talk about the seventh seal as resting time. It's not something we're doing. It's something the life within us is doing. And it brings a rest, the eighth day, back to the first day. Brings us to eternity. She rolls around without a stopping place. Amen. Notice, on this eighth day, last day, feast day of the tabernacle. Notice, after that last day, after the last church age, after the last complete seven days, upon the earth, after millennium, that's this holy convocation that comes. Now, he brings this in a couple ways, and you've got to listen closely to how he says this. Now, he says... Because he speaks about the eighth day as being after the millennium. 6,000 years, the seventh day is the millennium time frame. But the eighth day, that's still our promise. But it also speaks, it's called tabernacles. It's not one type. It's many types. It's many members. (laughs) It's plural. It's not just one thing. The word of God has many aspects. Now, This Feast of Tabernacles is gathering places, amen, in the millennium. The Bible says, they shall build houses, they shall inhabit. Now he says, now you old man, old woman, those of you who are in the 75 to 100 year range, this is for you. Don't be discouraged. There's one. I know there's one more at least. I saw Brother Harold raise his eyebrows. It's good enough. Okay. If you are a representation up here in this attribute of God, This God, if you cannot have it, you're represented here. Now, I'm not going to have time to get into this today, but Brother Branham, he will not just speak on this as outward. He talks about the earth in the message Future Home. He talks about it, how it, it, it goes through a process. It goes through justification. It goes through sanctification. It goes through a holy fire. But God doesn't burn the earth up. He cleanses the atmosphere around the earth. He cleanses those demons that are accusing you. The earth that we are walking on, we're going to walk on again. We're going to walk on it, but it's going to be clean. There's not going to be earrings or, 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 or tattoos. There's not going to be naked flesh out there. There's not going to be rock music. You can go camping somewhere, and you can sit by the lake, and you can hear the angels sing. That's the earth that we're coming back to. That's the tabernacle. But Brother Adam would also say it's a type of our tabernacle. We ourselves go through not just justification, not just sanctification, but a fire baptism that gives us a new desire, that gives us a new heart, that gives us something of God. Now he says, now you are represented here. And he'll actually talk about the kind old priest and the woman at the well. We're not going to go into that today. Now if you've crossed from that seventh day into the eighth, you got into the eternal by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you're included in this. This is to all the 75 to 100s. You're included in this and everybody else too. Now if you're just trusting in a sensation or a jumping up and down, I do this, I keep my seventh day, I don't eat meat, that's going to perish. Well, that's going to perish. But this is eternal 
This is the eternal, the feast after the Feast of Tabernacles, the eighth day. Now, so he's putting an aspect of this over into the future. But in the next verse, he says this. The Feast of Tabernacles was the last feast, the seventh feast. We are worshiping now under the Feast of Tabernacles, the seventh church age. What have we been called to? When, when they came in the book of Nehemiah, everything was in order. They found out it was the seventh month. They opened the book. The book says, hey, you've come to this place. It's time for the Feast of Tabernacles. And they said, don't be sorrowful. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can sing songs. You can rejoice. It's already done. It's showing a finality, the restoration. That's what we've come to. I think we need to appreciate this. I really do. I need to appreciate it more. Now, in the millennium, we'll be under the Feast of Tabernacles again in the seventh day. But he's actually saying, we're under it now. Isn't that wonderful? What have we been called to? A Feast of Tabernacles. Oh, my. I love this. Does that mean we, 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 we bypass Passover? No. We remember the Passover. We need the Passover. We need the unleavened bread. We need the wave sheaf, the first fruits. We need Pentecost. We need all of those. But we, you, there's something in us that's yearning for this. Okay, let's, let's, let's go on. Now, I, I was going to wait with this, but I'm just going to take it. Ethan, we won't do part A, part B. We'll just do part B. We'll roll it all to one. I'm going to bring this out real quick because this is part of where I'm going. Now, in, in Egypt, there's, there's all these pyramids. But there's one pyramid called the Great Pyramid, and it's different than all the other pyramids. They've unearthed the secret of the other pyramids. They found the pharaohs that were there. And all the pharaohs, if you actually take it, and I don't have time to do all of this today, but the pharaohs were actually buried underground. This feast, this tabernacle, the Great Pyramid, when they finally got into it, and they went to find the sarcophagus, and they went to found it, they went, they finally broke into all the chambers and all the places, and they came up to what was the king's chamber, and in it was an empty uh, burial place. There was nothing in it. And it was above ground. Now, just, just bear with me for a moment. So it was different than what the Egyptians would do. Now, Brother Branham would talk about there's three Bibles. There's the Bibles that was written in the heavens. And he says, then there was Enoch's pyramid. He was inspired of God. It was, it was, it was a type. It was a mystery. And then the last was the written Bible. So this great pyramid, the great pyramid that was there, and it's greater than all the rest. And Brother Branham would say, it never had its headstone. Why? Because the real headstone, all the types, listen, all the types that were to be fulfilled are being fulfilled in this last day. Oh, what a glorious day it is. It is so real. It is wonderful. Now, he would go on and say, and if you actually look at it, this is the pyramid. You know, you can take all the outside dimensions, how it's so perfect, and it's got so many stones, it's got so many levels and layers. But you can go inside, and there's a whole trajectory that ties into the stars and everything when you go into it. But I'll give you a little better thing here. This is a diagram they put. So this was an entrance that they discovered above grade. They got in it, it descended, but somewhere down here, it started to go up. And it started to go up, and then it comes into this, what they call a grand hall. And this grand hall has seven steps in it. Seven ages, if I can say it that way. 
So it has these seven ages. And you come to the end, and at the end, there's this, what's called the last great step. It's a step that's almost over three feet tall. You cannot make this step by yourself. Doesn't matter how young you are, and how good you are, how fit you are, and how much of a running start you take, you can't make this step by yourself. It takes something to lift you up. Okay, so now, you can go into this, and here's the great step, the last step, and before you go into the king's chamber, there's this antechamber, which is, they call it the Enoch circle. Now, the circumference of this circle is actually 365. How long did Enoch live on the earth? 365 years. How long is a daily year? 365. Now, this is more than a mathematician figuring this out. This is Enoch who was inspired to construct and to, to do all of this. So before you ever come, you, you've got to have something that takes you up to that step. And that step puts you on the level of the king's chamber. But before you ever come to the king's chamber, you're in this little room. You're in this anti-chamber. You're in this place where there is fellowship, where there is a period where now everything of the ages is beyond, and now there's a part that it's you and the king. There's no one else, but it's you and the king now. Now, let me just show you some pictures. So this is the outside. It comes into a path. Oops. It, it comes down, and it, and it comes from here. It goes down, and then it goes back up again. So once you go in, you go down into all of these things, and this is they've actually actual pictures of it. You finally come into this grand hall, but it has these seven steps that come up into this hall, representing seven ages. That's the ages that all of our brethren lived in. But at the culmination of all those ages, there's one last great step. That's all under, under the anointing. So it's under the ox, or the, the, the lion, the ox, and the man anointing. But it's only the eagle anointing that can take you up into that last chamber. Now you can read some of this in a few different messages, and it, Brother Ram relates it to the dollar bill and everything. But the main point is, it's something you can't do yourself. So when you finally come into the king's chamber, this is what they found. They didn't find a sarcophagus. They found an empty tomb. Because he is not here. He is risen. <laughs> it was a type. Enoch was so inspired. Now, so we go back to here. So the last great step, the great step. Now, I'm going to read something to you. This is Brother Ram speaking in recognizing your day and its message. You just keep that up for a moment. Now, he makes a distinction here, and it's a really good distinction. He's talking about Israel in Hosea. In the third day, God would restore her. 1,000 years, 2,000 years, but in the third day, he would restore her. Israel is now back in her promised land. She doesn't know how she got back there. She was automatically put back there. Why national force put her in her place? Now I'm going to say something. National force put Israel in her homeland. So outside forces pressured them. He says, national force 
will put the church in the world council of churches. National force will do this. We're beginning to see the rising up of this already. There are churches. There's one in our city. There's churches in Ontario. There's other places. They're not, they're not happy with all these restrictions. And, and it's one thing. There's a line. There's a threshold that can be crossed. We're, we're here compliant this morning. But if the time comes and says, you can't worship God, you can't speak the truth, you can't worship God, I'll tell you what, there's a threshold somewhere there, friends, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying we're there, but I'm just saying somewhere there is. So there is national force is against Israel, against the church, but then he makes this distinction, but the power of God will put the people in the bride, the world forces this way, the world forces that way, but God forces upward. The Spirit of God, which is the Word of God, my Word is Spirit and life, will put the bride in her place. He says, she'll recognize her position in the Word. Then she's in Christ, it will put her in her place. The headship is coming down. The headship is here to gain preeminence. If there's a head, there has to be a body to receive that head. There's a body to receive that word. He says, now, she'll recognize her position in the word, which is in Christ. That will put her in a place. No national force will do it. It will not be a tribulation that will prepare us. The church, will, the bride, will not go through the tribulation. National force drove Israel into the homeland. National forces of the council of churches will drive every organization into it, but the power of God will raise the bride into glory. Oh, people, recognize your day, he says. So this is the chamber that, that, that they go to. You can turn that off now, Ethan. Now, my, the time just slips away. How many love the word? It's everything to us. It's a day that everybody was looking forward. Now, I, I want to just speak for a moment about this booth that they were in. I, I mentioned this last week, but the world is becoming very dependent on the forces around it for their life. They're becoming very dependent upon government for economic help. They're becoming very dependent on the government for help on regulations, very dependent on help for, for food and staple things, but we're also coming where government is becoming the moral voice. We know better, we understand better, almost raising their voice above the voice that is in a people. Now, what voice is greater? Now, I, I, this isn't in my, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to jump as God, God leads me to. Go back with me to the book of Joshua for a moment. Ethan, I don't have this, but just go to Joshua chapter 2, if you would, please. Joshua chapter 2. Now, this is talking about when, sorry, yeah, Joshua chapter 2. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface the story, but I'm going to take one or two little things. Joshua now He's crossing over all the promises are over on the other side. And here they come against Jericho, a great walled city. But in that city, 
he wants to now, he's not sending out 12 men, he's sending out two men. The men that he sends out, listen, this wasn't him just picking two guys out. I'm sure that these were good soldiers. I'm sure that these were trusted men. Two men go into the city, check it out, because we're going to take the city. So he'll tell them in verse 1, go view the land, even Jericho. And they happen to come into a harlot's house. Now, before we get so self-righteous, Brother Branham would say, this is a type of the bride. This is what we were. Mixed in with the world, we had nothing. But God, not, not knowing it, but in us was something that was hungering for God. Something that was thirsting for God, but it was misplaced. So they come to this harlot's house, and her name was Rahab. They lodged there, and it was told the king of Jericho, these, in verse 2, they've come hither to, to, to the children of Israel to search out the country. The king of Jericho comes directly to Rahab, saying, now, this is the king standing in front of her. Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered in thine house, for we have, they have come to search out all the country. Now, this woman, a little bit like the spirit that was on Sister Rachel and her family when they sang the song this morning, she didn't look at the king. She wasn't intimidated by the king. She didn't wait for the two men to speak. She spoke. <laughs> and what she spoke, listen, it wasn't exactly factual. But she spoke with authority. She spoke with prophecy in her already. And she said, and she says, the woman had taken the two men, she'd hid them up on the roof. And so she says, she says, these men came to me, verse 4, but I don't know where they are. <laughs> listen. Before you all, just take the halos off for a second. Okay. The Bible has a scripture. It said, as deceivers, but yet true. That doesn't mean we share everything, you know, about everything. <laughs> we just share, God will give us wisdom for what we need to say. But listen, she's taking charge by her words. Listen, this woman was a harlot. But she's coming into position. Before she ever marries Salmon, she's coming into a room, a position, where her real desire's coming out. Brother Adam would say, she really desired to have a true husband. She really desired to have the right kind of life. But her father maybe put her into a life of, of, of a streetwalker and such. She wasn't... She didn't desire it in the first place. She didn't do it in the first place. And here she comes now. She's coming into her desire. And she says, I don't know where they are. It came to pass about the time of the shutting in the gate. Verse 5, it was dark. The men went out. Uh, whither the men went, I don't know. Pursue after them quickly. Here, I'm going to give you some instructions. A harlot is giving the king of Jericho instructions for his army to follow. <laughs> it wasn't the two men on the roof. It wasn't Joshua. God put something in her heart. Friends, it's got to be in our heart. It's got to be real. You've got to be in contact with the king. And she said, pursue after them quickly, for you'll overtake them. 
But she had brought them to the roof of the house. You know, so, so anyway, they went out and did their thing. She went up, and then she comes up to the top, and, and, and she comes up to the roof in verse 8, verse 9. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that your terror is fallen upon us, that all the inhabitants of the land are faint because of you. We've heard how the Lord dried up the water. You know what? This woman never sat in a message church. This woman never was in the congregation. This woman had it in her heart. That's where it's got to get to. You've got to go beyond the church. You've got to go beyond everything, and you've got to get to the place that she was at. I'm not saying because you were in church you won't get it. I'm saying it's available. Don't stop here. Get in that place with him. She didn't have a lot of support. It was her and something else that was keeping her. I, I need you to help me this morning. The service will not be if it's just Brother Ed enthused. I believe this is the word of God. So you help me this morning. And he says... We've heard how the Lord did all these things. Verse 11, our hearts did melt. And she says, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and earth beneath. Now therefore I pray unto you, as, as you have sworn unto me, I've showed you kindness, now you also show kindness. Now look at her words. These are prophetic words. You also show kindness unto my father's house. And give me a true token. She's not just looking out for herself. I want all of those to come in with me. This is something God put in her heart. Whatsoever you desire, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, believe it when you say it and you can have it. It's the desire of the fire of God in you. It's not the desire of a harlot anymore. It's not the desire of somebody in sin, but it's the desire of a saint. When did it change for her? It had been working a long time already. But when the hour came, she was right there. And she says, and that you'll save alive my mother, my, my father, my mother, my brother, and my sisters, and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. Now listen, who's saying all of this? We always point to the two men under Joshua. But these two men actually had to respond to what was in this woman. And they said, okay, okay, we got it. <laughs> we got what you're saying. And they said, our life for yours if we don't do this according to what you just said. <laughs> Friends, what has God put in your heart? What's your desire? What's your mountain? What's your cry? Let it come forth. It's, it's God that gives us these things. Why do you hunger, church? Why do you thirst? What's the desire from the little room that you dwell in? I'll tell you what, if nobody else is enjoying this, I am. I love it. <laughs> now I need to take a negative part to this for a little bit. And I need to do this, and I won't get to all of this today, but turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. You talk about this booth, this room, this little place. Friends, this is not just doctrines. This is a place we live in. This is a place we've got to walk in. It's not just a doctrine. It's, it's greater than that. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. Let's just read. Do we begin again to commend ourselves do we need letters of condemnation? Do we need some outside help? No. 
Verse 3, 2. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink but the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone but in fleshly tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. And it says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves. Let me come to it. Our sufficiency is of God. Our dependency, this meeting this morning, no matter how hard I studied, no matter what I did, if it's not God in the preparation and the inspiration, if it's not God in the service, if it's not God in your heart, this service is not going to be what it ought to be. Our dependency is on the Holy Spirit. I believe we need to create an atmosphere every time we come. Don't just show up. Don't just plunk yourself in the pew. As a minister, don't just show up here either. It's for all of us. Create an atmosphere. It's not about the minister getting enthused. It's about the Holy Spirit dropping in your pew where you're at right now. It's about God ministering to you. It's not about Brother Ed. It's not about that. It's about Him. Let him have the preeminence. Let him sweep over our souls. He's made us able test ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. I, I could read more. Drop down to verse 18. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now, I skipped all the scriptures in between where there was a veil put over this holy place. A veil was put over Moses, and that veil is over the people. Their minds are darkened. That veil is there. But now in this last day, with open face, like Nehemiah, the book is opened. And not just the book is opened, the people's hearts are opened. And when their hearts are opened, they're ready to receive. I, I'll, I will say, and I, I've got to come to this, and it's, it's another part of it, but I, I say, Lord, let me stay in this. Let me be absorbed in this. With open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. As you're, you're looking in this glass, you don't know what's happening. But it says you're changed from glory to, into the same image, from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. Oh my, I, I, I used to, Avoid listening to the tapes when I wasn't listening right. When I walked home and my mom was praying and I heard the tape in the background, I just wanted to get downstairs to my room real quick. But now I listen to him and it's changed me. The Ed Hammermeister that was a proud young man said, I, I'm going to let my hair stay long. I'm going to do this. I'll tell you what, I'm glad to cut my hair. I'm glad that he's my Lord. I'm glad that he's changed me. I'm glad that this old tabernacle, the same tabernacle, has been burned with fire. And the old man is dying and is continuing to die. Let him be changed. Let him continue to be moved. Let God take the preeminence. Now, When they were in these booths, and I, I took this last week, there was this element that was there, and it was a pilgrim element, not to get camped down. But as I'm talking on dependency, the early Ephesian church, and Brother Brandon would talk about it, 
And he would, he would say, and he would use this word in the church age book and how, how it, it, it brought them into a place. Let me see if I can find it quickly. But he would talk about it and he would say, oh, okay, now I don't know where I put it. The early church, they lost their first love. Oh, I had parts of this in two places, so. The early church, here it is. I won't read the whole quote. But if the Spirit spoke to Ephesus, and it tells them, be careful that you don't lose your first love. And he talks about how one generation to the next generation, it went from a fire to a fading to glowing to hardly any original flame. Then God lights the, the fire again. The process is repeated. God does not have grandchildren. You need to be born of the Spirit of God. It's not apostolic succession. It's not family succession. Doesn't matter if you're in a minister's home, you're in a deacon's home, a trustee's home. Doesn't matter if your mom or dad pray all the time. You need to meet this God in your own little room. Your own little room. Brother Adam would say, show me where you live. Show me your bedroom. Show me the pictures on the wall. I'll go a step further. Show me your website, your history, the places you visit, the places you frequent. Show me how much time you spend there. And I'll tell you where you're at. I'll tell you what your desires are. I'll tell you where you go. So there's something about it. So he says, now, he says, Here, here's what they lost. They kept the form, but this is what they lost. The fervent desire to please God. Oh, friends, doesn't something in you hunger sometimes? I don't just want to be, come to church and have just the same. I want the Lord, the Spirit of God to have His way. I want Him to move on me. I want Him to do what He wants to do. The passion to know His Word. The cry for reaching out in the Spirit. It all begins to fade. And the church, instead of being on fire, cools off and becomes formal. And this is the word Brother Manum uses. The abandonment to God was dying out. Now what happened in that little booth? You abandoned your daily life. You, you still had to go back to that. But in that booth, now you're learning to lean. You're learning to depend on him. You're in the chamber, and as you're beholding his face, you're becoming in tune with him. The voices around you are, are not what they used to be. The things that had a pull or a hold on you are not what they used to be. Now there's a dependency on God. In that, in that first change age, the abandonment to God was dying out, and they began to be more careful what the world thought of them. And he says... That's when they demanded, Israel was like that. They demanded a king like the other nations. I, I, there's many places I could go and I'm, I don't want to, I'm, I'm gonna, because I'm going to do this, I'm not going to stop here. Now, I want you just to think for a moment about this and desire. And, and I'll take parts of this and we'll go on. But you're a free moral agent. God does not force you to anything. Where does your desire come from then? It was created by God. You're a natural man. You, you cannot exist 
without being a three-part being, you have a soul, you have a, uh, a spirit, and you have a body. Your, your body has natural desires. God created in you hunger and thirst. Now, Brother Branham will take a message, and, and it's in the message thirst, and, you, and, you, and you, can, you can pick some of this up out of that message. But I'm going to just read, read part of this. And he's saying, David said, uh, he said, as the heart panteth after the water brook. And Brother Bram says, I looked at this word thirst. It's a painful desire. You want it so bad till it becomes painful to you. Now, it's not unnatural to thirst. Thirst is a natural thing. It's simply something that God has given us that we could give a desire for something. Something God gives you, now listen, he says, a control tower, something sets inside of you that controls these different desires. This thirst, the control tower comes, the thirst comes to this control tower. Where is it set? Up in heaven? No, it's set in your heart. It's in your room. It's in your place. And he says, he says, it's something God gives you to warn him of the desires that's needful of you. Now, maybe your body needs calcium. Maybe it needs potassium. Well, you'll begin to hunger after some milk or some yogurt. There's calcium in there. And, and so you'll, you'll hunger for that. Maybe you need potassium. Well, it, it sets you. You can't even figure it out. Like, it happens so naturally. Why am I craving this? Why is this doing this to me? Because your body needs it. God gave you that desire. And then Brother Branham, now, there's a natural man, but then there's a spiritual man. And Brother Branham says, why do you hunger? Why do you thirst? Because there's a part of you that's somewhere that needs more of God. Why do you hunger? And, and, and Brother Branham actually puts it this way in Who is this Melchizedek? You left off the old food, and I'm not talking the natural, but that which your soul was feeding on that was injurious to you, you left that off to take on the eagle food. He said, you heard from your theophany. You heard from a part of you that has representation. It came to you by thirst, and it was always what you hungered for. It was always what Rahab wanted, what she hungered for. So you have this painful desire, two different kinds of thirst. Now, uh, you say, well, you know, I, I want God. Yeah, your real answer, no matter what you answer today, will be by the way you live. Now, I, I need to jump into something, and this is, this is going to take just onto a little different channel for a moment. They have in science what they call algorithms. Algorithms are a process or set of rules that you follow in calculation or so problem-solving operations. So that's where the word algebra comes. You know, how many of you enjoyed that in, in, in school? I'm glad that we have honest people here today. <laughs> Nobody enjoyed algebra. Okay, good, good. I'm not the only one then. But there's a part of algebra that we all encounter every day. Now, algorithms are also, you'll co more commonly know it by this, these are computer programs 
that extract data from our internal behaviors or our internet behaviors and automatically set, select and prioritize content so that we automatically fall into what we hunger and thirst after. So if you have a common computer in your home, and we have one, and you will know who was last on the computer by what shows up when you tap into the internet. If you see John Deere tractors pop up, you'll know my wife was not the last one looking at the computer. If you see what the, the price of fabric or yarn is or, or other things or some cooking recipe, it wasn't my son that was on a computer. And it wasn't me for sure. So, so this is now something that's in the world around us. It's called algorithms. So what, what you feed on is documented. And, and I'm going I'm to tell you, there, I, I, there's an hour and a half documentary that frightened the living daylights out of me when I see what's going on in the world and when I see how it affected me and can continue to affect me. Because now we are slowly being conditioned to be dependent on something else somebody is governing for us. Every time you go on the internet, now, I, I, I really would like to take time, and if any of you are interested, I will give you a link. You can look at this. But it says, not only does it take the things that you look at and put you into that, but it also can change your thinking or evolve your thinking into something. Now, example, example. I've got to be careful to use this one at quarter to 12. Let's say you, you pop by and there was an advertisement for a restaurant and the food was made to look so good and you had just gone to the computer to look at something but this restaurant advertisement went up and suddenly you forgot what you were looking at and you got to thinking about how am I going to get to this restaurant? You've been affected. <laughs> and... If you tap into it, guaranteed, more food things are going to come up. And it's so sophisticated, they actually have, um, it's, a, it's a lab. This is the name of the lab. It's called Persuasive Technology. They have a team of 100 scientists in a room that monitor how long you look at it, how long you pause, what your next link is, what the next thing after that is, and you are trapped into what they want you to think. Now, I'm just giving you a, a little example. Now, what, what can be a tool, the internet can be a tool. It's, it's from the tree of good and evil. So, the only way you're going to overcome that is if you got something greater inside you. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to go and look at, at a certain restaurant or a social, we, a, a, a social site or, or something. But a tool, if you look at a tool, it's something that lays there. You only pick it up when you need it. You, you can have a garden spade. Well, it sat there for about six months. Now, we haven't used it, but we got to looking at it. 
because it's time to plant the garden. So it doesn't speak to you. It doesn't communicate. It's just a tool. And so is the internet a tool. You go to this tool, but all of a sudden, it's, it's interacting. It's, it's what it's doing. You are becoming its tool. It's taking more time from you, guaranteed. I'm going to pop on the computer for five minutes. Guaranteed, nobody's on there for five minutes. They did a technology thing, and they asked teenagers, how long are you on the computer every day? Ah, half hour, 45 minutes. And they monitored them. Here were the results, three and a half hours. Yeah. Now, it's beginning to control our lives. Why do I need to go into a booth, Brother Ed? Because of the world that's around us. Because of the things that demand our time. Because of the things that consume us. Now, I, 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 I won't bring all of this out today, but I'm just telling you. The men who went here... Now, I'm going to give you a stat for a minute. 2011, 2012, the internet was around for that... But that's when these technologies came out. And now there began to be not just monitoring and giving your preferences. Now somebody came to these men and said, I need them to stop looking at raw celery sticks and carrot sticks. And I need them to look at fast food that's fried that can only be purchased at my restaurant. Nobody ever looked at celery sticks, did they? I know that. There's no advertisements for that. <laughs> But it, it would now took the natural need of your body and it was taking it way over somewhere where you didn't even want to go. And they sent that message. So now I'm going to just jump a little further. Now there's all these major websites. So let, let me just use whatever it is, social media site, be it Facebook, be it YouTube, be it Instagram, be it Netflix. Now, you only have so much time. Netflix says, okay, I'm going to get these people to watch this movie but then uh, YouTube came up with, now somebody invented this thing, and it says, if you watch a clip, it'll automatically go to the next clip. You can't even stop it. It automatically goes there. And now you've jumped from one to the next, to the next, to the next. And Netflix said, hold it. That's taking our time. And so they said, from this movie, I'm going to make it that it automatically defaults to the next movie. So it's whether we realize that's what's happening. Now, social media does the same thing. You get a, a, a like button or a pause button, and, and you know, you, you're looking for acceptance, and uh, this part I'm not going to be able to get into fully, but it tracks you, it watches you, and it has produced, since 2011, they have statistics, it has produced more depression more suicide, more injury among teenagers than any generation before. And the men who are in these labs will not allow their own children to be on social media because of how terrible it is. Now, I'm just saying this. You better have the Holy Ghost in you you better also not put any confidence on your flesh. And if you have... Children in your family, I would say, you need to be the Holy Ghost in that family. Now, I'm, I'm talking about the world is being brought into a little room. 
of technology. They don't even know it. Now, my how our time is just getting away. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna just give you a couple of things here. The 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 documentary is called Social Dilemma. But it takes human, so it takes what's called algorithms. It it uses all of these things. It tries to put a positive spin. So it wants you to interact with it. Do you like this? You press like. And it sets you up for the next time. I, I don't know who it was. I think it was Instagram or one of them. They had a thing, and I think, what, what did they call it? If you could get so many successive things, uh, I forget the name of it, it was Insta something, Insta Streak or something like that. People would give out their passwords because if you could get people to, to, to like your, your posting, it would keep your streak alive. And now people, kids were going on vacations with their parents and they were giving their friends the password, make sure while I'm gone that my streak stays alive. This is what's governing lives. Now, I'm, 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 I'm just using it. I'm just telling you, this is from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I'm just saying, all of these things are happening around us and they say there's a whole generation, not the millennial generation, Generation Z, that is more anxious, that is more depressed, that has no contact with their inner identity, don't have social skills the way all the social skills is about what you can share. Now, Brother Ed, you act like you're immune. No, I'm not immune. And the truth is, I'm ashamed that it, how it's affected me sometimes. Okay, so I'm, I'm speaking to myself. I'm ashamed that it's eaten more of my time where I could have been walking in nature, where I could have been with my family, where I could have been with, with my brothers or my sisters, where I could have been more valuable because this body is a temple of the Lord. It's a tabernacle of God. And I, I'm saying, it, it affects us all and, and it can actually polarize. And I, I, I'm, I'm running out of time. But what they'll do in newspapers, they don't give the news to you boring. They give the news to you to elicit a reaction. And the biggest reaction is anger. Did you see what the Democrats did to the, to the Republicans? And we all jump on the bandwagon. And, and we don't even know somebody pushed our button. And then that happens in the message. Did you hear what's going on? There, there's so-and-so brother, and, and they're doing this and this. And, and they pushed our button. But did God push our button? Did God, in the secret chamber, where he speaks to us, sometimes we're just, the bride has thus saith the Lord, or she stands still. Now, I, I know there's no way in two minutes I'm going to get through this, but... Let me just read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you just go there with me for a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And this is, Paul is, is just telling the Corinthians that there is no new thing under the sun. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and it would say this in verse 12. I don't think I gave you this, Ethan. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. The world is being brought 
under the power of what a bunch of men that are not born again are in a room dictating reactions and pushing buttons and moving people. There was one of these documentaries. It said that a a room of 10 men could control 1 billion people on the earth today by what they plug in. And they said they can actually watch it happen across the monitoring. Brother Ed, is that real? That's real. Now, if that's the anti-type, okay, I'm going to wind this down this morning. I can't get into everything I want to get into, but that's fine. If that's the anti-type, what could God do when He gets into the tabernacle with you and I? When it's Him alone. And now... You come not to hear just what Brother Ed said, but what God has been speaking to you during the week already. He led you to this scripture. He led you to this verse. He led you to this message. And then somebody over in another country is is feeding on this. And then Brother Ray Erickson comes and then preaches what Brother Tim Dodd just had preached. And it all dovetails together. Where does that come from? It comes from being in another room. It comes from being in a place with God. Isn't that wonderful? If that can happen in the natural for a negative, what about God in the, in the spiritual? There, I'll tell you what, as you feed on the things of God, it creates a thirst. Let's have the musicians come. I, I really, to do this justice, I will take this over completely into another service because I have so much. I've only gotten halfway through. Brother Bannon would say, in, in Thinking Man's Filter... He picks up a cigarette package and he says, a thinking man's filter, a smoking man's taste. <laughs> and he says, you talk so much about a filter. He says, Tetra, what you filter through you will produce a taste. Okay? A thinking man's filter, Brother Man says, it's just a gimmick. They're just using that to sell more cigarettes. But now he says, the true filter You cannot pull sin through the pages of this Bible. It stops it. It filters it out. It filters out sin. It gives you a holy man's taste. When you come up into that that grand period, the seven steps, and you come up, now you're not lifted up by yourself, but you're lifted up onto this plane. Now I'm in this room where it's not the revelation, Enoch, of, of, of the days and year, but of his life. 365 years. Rahab was receiving the revelation of her life in the middle of Jericho, a city that had been conditioned with to, to, to come against every enemy. But she was receiving something greater. She had more power because of the place she was dwelling in than the place, not the natural place, but the spiritual place. Oh, friends, if we could be hidden away, locked away, in a place with him. Does that mean, Brother Ed, I just, no, you can sing songs. You can fellowship with people. But there's a desire for the things of God. There's a desire for the house of God. Listen, I I will say it. Look at what you've been feeding on this last week. Look at where your time has been spent, and it will tell you where you are. And I will say, you don't control the control tower. God put the control there. You don't control the thirst, but you control what you do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do, I, do I need natural food? Yes, you do. Do I need spiritual food? Absolutely, you do. 
Two different towers. That's, that's part of my next, next message, next service. And, and we'll, we'll bring it to that. Let's stand together. I've kept you. We're going to make way. Brother Andrew will be ministering tonight. I'll pick this up again next Sunday. And uh, I just trust, friends, don't just make this. You're not coming. Don't do this to please the ministers or the deacons that are here. Do what you do to please God. Amen. This is not, you're not accountable just to me. You're accountable to God. Right. The sacrifice, the offering that you bring to every service, the way that you enter in, the things you do with your spare time, the things, that's not, that's not the deacons calling you up and checking on you. That's not this, that's what you have to give account to God. That's what I have to give account to. Amen. Brother Ed, have, have you been, no, I haven't always been, I haven't done the best use. I got tired. I got weary. I got into something. I got trapped into this. God, no. But you know what? I thank God that he keeps speaking to me. Oh, yeah. He keeps cleansing me. He keeps changing me. He keeps doing what I need to do, and, and he brings me into a place with him. Yeah. Are you happy for that this morning? Did he speak to your heart this morning? There's, there's more that we could share. I'm not here condemning anybody. I'm just saying, come a little higher. Come beyond the seventh day, coming to the eighth day. There's a place. Amen. There is a place. There is a land. Amen. Do you believe that? Oh, my. Brother Ray, I think I, I, we need to sing a song that's appropriate here. Do you have one? This is my desire. Go for it. <laughs> oh, this is my desire to Oh, Lord. 
service and in the middle of it I had to stop and kneel down and say Lord I feel sometimes I've been controlled not by not by the Holy Spirit and the worst place we can be is living between two desires and the great battle is in the mind. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be. I don't want to be in that place where I'm thinking about the tractor, or the car. Oh, I don't want to be in that place where I'm thinking about something here and building a kingdom and this earth. Yeah, I might pass over it, but I don't want it to take a hold of me. Furthermore, I don't want to be governed by what people think and, and, and politics and what other people do. But Lord, I need to be in a place with you. Maybe this morning, if you think about where you've been and be honest with yourself with every head bowed, the car that you might be looking at, that car doesn't speak back to you. Sometimes the people that, that are responding to you, they're only responding because they're compelled to for their own reason. You're not getting the real person. You're getting a photograph that's at their best. But what's wrong with being face-to-face? -face? And if it's face-to-face, -face, why not with the Lord Jesus? Why not be with something that responds back to you 
The thirst comes because something's been depleted. And the enemy wants to pervert it with things that are not real. They're imaginary. But God wants to give you something real. Yes. Oh, God. Why don't you be honest with the Lord this morning? Every eye is closed. The ministers is closed. Lord, bring me into this place. Take me away from the other places. The room of this world, it produces its own desires. There are people that are literally going insane because of what they're feeding on. But there's a bride that is not going to be pressured or forced, but she's being pulled by her own desire to be with Him. Maybe you've seen you've come short this morning and you just want to raise your hand. God sees your hands. Now, don't just make it to ease your conscience this morning. But while your hand is raised, now ask the Lord, say, Lord, set my heart on the right thing. Set my eyes on the right thing. Cause my feet to walk on the right thing. Lord, that doesn't mean every moment is spiritual. But Lord, let it not be in the perversions of this world. Let not my time be consumed that it takes me away from that which is necessary. Now, don't just make that in this service. Let it be that as we go from here, as we walk out from here, Lord, teach me that when I come back next Sunday or next Wednesday, even if I slip or fall, but Lord, that I would have a better trajectory. Take a hold of me, Lord. I believe that's, that's the minister's desire this morning. I pray that it's every person's desire. Heavenly Father, we commit ourselves into your hands. And we ask, O oh Lord, let not your word return void. Let it accomplish what you would purpose. Lord, these types that we have, and we could show the tabernacles and all these things, if it doesn't translate to a life, what good is it, Lord? I pray you'll bless everyone that was listening this morning. Father, we just laid these things out simply. But Lord, let your word have effect. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Take these hands. Take these hands. Take these hands and lift them up. For I have not the strength to praise you near enough. For I have nothing. Oh, I 
Without